Well, welcome to our not annual, our every couple of years podcast where we are going to do some rapid fire questions that never end up being that rapid, uh, but also aren't that fire. And for the first time ever, we're going to do it with video. And so hopefully this experiment pays off well for us. So who are we? I guess we should introduce that. Uh, I'm joined by Nathaniel Haston and David Prairie. Um, and then I'm Jeremy Mathias, of course. And three of us are like brothers. And we always enjoy catching up and getting to spend time talking to each other. And this is just a fun way of doing exactly that. And so we've each prepared uh, something around five questions, although five was the number to be exact, and Nate's the only one who followed the rules. So we are giving him the honor of asking the first question. By the way, I'd like to clarify that in my cup is only cream soda, nothing controversial. And I would show you to prove it, but it doesn't look much better when you look at it. <laughs> it's actually more incriminating <laughs> when you tilt it. It's not beer, I swear, but it's sudsy and brown. Um, I have to say I've been looking forward to this for a week and also for four years. So um, I want to start by opening salvo. Uh, okay, here we go. Name and tell us why the film that you would reshoot exactly the same way, except you would play one of the characters and everything else is the same. And this could be because it's just your favorite movie. It could be because some of the lines are iconic and you get to deliver them. And so you're attached to those iconic lines forever. Um, and the premise would be that like the quality of the acting is just as good as the original. So it's exactly still the film that's in your, you know, your, your mind, your heart, except you're now X character. Um, it could be because something that they like they go on location somewhere you always want to visit it could be because you know it's about a sport you particularly like but uh, what film would you reshoot everything being equal except you are now playing one of the roles i'm going to assume that david goes next and then well how does your screen look you and me are on top and david's on bottom is that right yeah Okay. I don't know why I was just assuming we'd go like. Well, I didn't know if all of this came. No, normally we normally we settle this in advance. Like so and so is going to answer the other one question first, and then we kind of circle it around. I, I can go first because I I do have one in mind, and I'm afraid if I don't say it, Jeremy might steal it because. Uh, uh, I know we've talked about this before. The first thing that came to mind would be I would I would I might go with um, Caesar from Planet of the Apes uh, because for one I wouldn't actually then appear on screen it would just be the ape character appearing in my place um, so 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 I wouldn't actually have to be in the film but I could be contributing to a role that I think is excellently done. And I think, I think that Caesar is a, um, is a, a noble character even. Uh, I think, I think he has some qualities that are, that I 
um, you know, that are, that are admirable. So it's a good, it's a good part. It's a good role. And it has the benefit of me, not actually, of my face, not actually having to be seen. I have never seen it. The, the trilogy, the newest trilogy is phenomenal. In I mean, I've heard, Aaron and I have talked about it later, but uh, I guess it's on my to-do list. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is such a great question. And, and I am just perplexed by what I should choose. Um, but I will go with Snowpiercer, and I would do the Chris Evans part. Oh my goodness! Uh, movie? Well, it is a it is a, a weird movie, but uh, one of those type of weird movies where like you're fascinated by it, and you just like you have no idea what's going to happen next. And um, but anyways, it's kind of uh, most of it's dimly lit. Chris Evans is. Uh, kind of dirty and wearing a cap for most of the movie and I don't know I just feel like underneath all that I wouldn't feel like I was that exposed on screen um, but I could be a cool character in a cool movie um, he has one big monologue but other than that he doesn't have to deliver a whole lot of dialogue and so uh, maybe I'm I'm cheating by thinking of something that seems not intimidating to do the acting part of but also would be a cool part um, and so that's what I'm going to go with have you seen that movie, Dave? No. Is that is that the one that uh, TNT is doing a series of, though? Yes, it is. Okay. The I, I've seen the uh, trailers for the for the show, and I knew that, or I, I was pretty sure that it had been done, that a movie version of it had been done, and the and the show trailers do look very interesting. But no, I've seen the movie. There's a TV show about it. Yeah. yeah a series. And the series looks like it's, I mean, very similar to the movie. I don't know if it'll play out similarly, but I mean, the, the oh, man. show. I you know, like it, Dave. It's good. Yeah. Um, I have two answers, and I'm going on the. Ex you're gonna say see why I'm saying this in a second. On the extreme premise that I am going to, be able to deliver the same performance that the actual people do, it's just my face, and I guess my voice. Um, I would be Tom Hanks from A League of Their Own. Um, Jimmy Fox or Jimmy something. I don't know. Um, I just love how out and out horrible he is for three-fourths of the movie and then just kind of becomes a lovable, you know, lug at the end. Um, and it's, you know, and you, and you get to have attached to you forever. Is she crying? There's no crying in baseball. I mean, that, that's now my face and, you know, mannerisms, whatever. The other one would be, hear me out here, it would be um, Morgan Freeman from Shawshank Redemption. Um, I guess I have to play it white. I don't know. Although his name is Red. I'd say, yeah, in the it, novel, or short yeah. based on, it was an Irish guy. Right, right. Which I love the fact they called him Red. I mean, it's just, that's so great. But the whole get busy living, get busy dying, this is a great movie, you know, and and um, so I have no delusions that I am a quality of Freeman or Hanks, but I'm just saying those are two roles that would be, I think, really fun to be attached to, you know, in this 
incredibly hypothetical scenario. So those are my, I cheated and had two, but that's what I'm thinking of. Awesome. Dave? Okay, first question for me. Um, assuming that major sports leagues are going to resume in the relatively near future, but probably with some adjustments, you know, alternate locations, maybe no fans, those kinds of things. Uh, what major rule changes or format changes would you like to see or would, or would you at least be okay with? Um, it could, you could, you could speak to any sport. I don't know if I thought maybe Nathaniel, maybe you would want to answer for baseball and then Jeremy, maybe for basketball, but you can, you can go with any sport. So like, there's going to have to be adjustments made to like the season, the schedule, the playoffs, um, or anything that would kind of add to the maybe entertainment value since there's no live crowd there. What, what changes would you either implement or at least say, yeah, I'd be okay with that. Okay. I'm answering this uh, off the cuff because I've not thought about this before, but I think if the NBA started wanting or wanted to play games so they could obviously the reason they do is they want to start making some money again uh i know they they probably couldn't do this they wouldn't go for this but i actually wouldn't want them to come together representing their usual teams uh, i would want them to get the nba players together and just play well-organized pickup games that way you're mixing up who's playing with who you can have stars that don't normally play together playing for just a run uh and then whatever money you make off that you can disperse it back to all the teams equally. So the owners can't say like, Hey, no, my team's not playing. You still let them all the same uh, revenue shares. But if we're going to be watching them in a gym, that's empty, might as well put it in a small gym, make it like an actual pickup game. And I think people would be fascinated to see that, especially seeing the parts move around and change every time. Uh, so that's what I think they should do. Hmm. One of my students actually did a current event on an idea that baseball is tossing around where they're going to mix up the American and National Leagues by geography yeah. to reduce travel. Um, so like, what would an example be? I don't even know. Like, like the Cubs and White Sox in the same division. Right, Mets and Yankees. Yeah. I was trying to think of something not same city, but yeah, that, that idea. Right. The, Nationals and Orioles will be in the same division or whatever. Um, and then move and then go from there, I guess. Because um, they've only missed a month or less than a month so far. So they really, they could, they could swing something for a pretty much a, a full season or close to it. Um, other than that, you know, I know that this is a boring one, but I, I wouldn't hate – to see the NL adopt the DH for 135 games as like a, a flyer. They're talking about it anyway. Just test it for a season that's kind of at an asterisk anyway and just see how it feels, you know. Um, and if, just, if it's just like, oh, I can't – if people just really react negatively, then it's kind of a throwaway season anyway, you know. Um, I, I don't think I'm for it in general. I, I kind of like – just traditional baseball, for lack of a better phrase. However, I, I would watch it for a for four months to see how it went, you know, yeah, how it changed the game, whatever. So that's probably my, you know, the my idea. 
Yeah. Um, I've heard a few that I that I like that I'd be be pretty well okay with. One would be the idea of, of at least in pro sports. I think you could swing it, especially in pro baseball and pro basketball, be to have all the players mic'd up during competition, so that you could hear the hear the interaction, hear the you know the give and take during the games. Um, this one I liked it. It would be more put in place, like especially if things had to be delayed, pushed back. Uh, would be for college sports to have maybe like next spring, next April or May, have the college football playoff championship the same weekend as the college basketball final four. Like one big. And, but this one, this one I thought was the most interesting because it actually would affect the rules of the game more. Somebody, somebody suggested um, if you're not going to have fans in the stands at baseball games, make all batted balls in play live. So like no foul balls, just make players go chase the, the foul balls wherever they are. The, the one way I would adapt that is uh, since they're talking about putting netting throughout all the stadiums anyway, like foul pole to foul pole, you know, for fan protection, there's nobody there to protect, but still have the netting up. And if it comes off the netting back into play, then you play it. But if it actually goes over the netting, you know, then it's a, then it's a real, foul ball that would be the adjustment I would make to baseball and you would have so many hitters like not running the first on a foul a foul you know when they should be now that would be so confusing yeah, yeah. Be fun to watch yeah I actually think that would be really interesting if they not just use nets but they use some sort of like harder wall where the ball could really bounce off of it and then that becomes more of a you know a wrinkle yeah. to the game. It's almost like indoor soccer where suddenly you can play the yeah. walls. And yep. Be interesting. All right. My first question is, uh, oh, I won't say it's too serious, but um, we're going to get into the sentimental because this is inspired by uh, the unfortunate events that happened to Grace's campus and the destruction the tornado caused. But uh, seeing the pictures of Grace's gymnasium and uh, – which really hit me hard. And as I was thinking about it, I realized that the gym at Grace is the place that I have the most sentimental attachments attachment to on earth. Um, mm. I think because I don't have much of an attachment anymore to childhood homes. It's just been long enough since I've lived there. I've lived several different places, you know, since. And so there's not like a place that feels home as far as a house, but I think the gym always felt like home. So I'm the most sentimentally attached to Grace's gymnasium, which might just get leveled and not be a thing anymore. So I was just curious, uh, what is the place on earth that you have the most sentimental attachment to? Hmm. Well, I'm gonna give you two. One is Grace's campus, not as a cop out. I just had been there, yeah, forever, and not ever left really in in one way or another. So when I was walking around the damage a few weeks ago, it was impossible to, and it would be the same for you guys, and Dave. I'm sure it's the same for you, and, and um, you've been around quite a bit. Um, you can't you can't help but think this happened there. You know, I remember playing this baseball game there. We beat Boyd in 
middle school baseball in 08 here, stuff that's super specific, but it comes back, flooding back when you're, you know, been traumatized in that way. The other one is my grandmother died just a few weeks ago, actually the day after the tornado. And um, I would say her, her home of my childhood. So where she lived when I was age zero to, to 17, any visits were there, Christmas, you know, summer visits with my sister for weeks in the summer, um, fall breaks, that kind of thing. Um, we Zoomed as an extended family the day after the funeral two, two weeks ago. And, you, you know, just kind of the typical swapping stories because nobody could really come because of the virus. So it was a very odd, you know, situation. And so many of the tales were about the house, you know, the trees in the backyard, swinging on the porch, eating in the kitchen, things anybody would say, you know, and it strikes me that the finality of death in that way, those memories can never be recreated. That home is not a family home anymore. It's been passed down or sold at least twice. My kids can't ever go there, that kind of thing. So it's like that part of my life is over. Um, and so I think there's a bit of sentimentality to that white house in Sparta. So those are my two, not to be a bummer, but that's my answer. So. Uh, I, I know I opened this up to be, <laughs> no, no, I, no, no, I just say, I'm trying, not trying to be a downer. Just that's yeah where my head's at these days. So. Man, I, I don't know. I, um, um, I guess I, that, that, that's a great question. I don't know. I don't know because I, I don't normally, I wouldn't normally think that I, that I have too many, I don't, I don't think I normally get sentimental about specific places uh usually i guess i i mean i i did get emotional just just like with you know within the especially the day like that the night of and then the day the next day you know just seeing the the campus so i that had some emotional attachment to but, um the other the only other places i could think of that I guess I, I would say I've, I've maybe been emotional when I've thought about not having them anymore would be like my mom's house that she lived in when she passed away. I remember when we sold that house and that was kind of the final walkthrough of that house was emotional, I remember. The other place, this is probably the most obscure maybe, would be, um, would be Alaska just because I've been there so much and have kind of that relationship with the people up there and not just, not like the whole state, obviously, but like the, the, the places where we've stayed and the places where we've worked and the, um, the city of Anchorage, I guess, maybe I, I wouldn't, that's, that's probably the least of the three just because, um, you know, it's not a place where I've ever lived or worked or anything necessarily, but I remember, yeah, I, I remember being pretty conscious uh, last summer, thinking that was probably our probably my last time to to be there, and that was significant at least. So, 
Yeah. Well, Dave, let me ask you, uh, if one of them were to go away, which one would hurt you more, Wrigley Field or Neyland Stadium? Um, I don't know. Maybe Wrigley just because, I don't know, maybe that one just because it has more of a history. They're both pretty historic, though. I've yeah, been to Neyland more often, too, though, so... I guess I would maybe assume that something else would be built in their place. So I'd probably be more okay with Tennessee football having a new place than with the Cubs having a new place. So I, so I guess I'd have to say Wrigley would bother me more. Yeah. All right, Nate, we're back around. Are you going to answer? I did. I, I explained in the question. It was, oh, the gym. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. I gave it away at the beginning. Gotcha. Sorry. I don't know if you're going to elaborate. <laughs> uh, pardon me. Okay. I am in the process of rewriting two U.S. history college courses for Bryan College. Um, I got to pick their curriculum, and it was a blank slate. And that's been a really neat process. Um, and uh, really grateful for the opportunity. So here's my question. If you could design any college course that people would register for and take seriously, like you would have a plugged in, keyed in group of however many you feel comfortable teaching, what would the, what would the course description be? Your ideal class. Like, so what would the course be? Yeah, like, yeah, if you could design any course and then teach it, and you knew you were going to get, like, legit interested students every semester, so it was going to be a quality, you know, 15 weeks, what direction would you go with it? This could go a thousand ways. Um, yeah. Um, I've always, I say always, I, I, I've thought numerous times about how, I think it, I think I would really enjoy teaching a um, biblical languages class. So like Greek or Hebrew. If I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Greek. But if if like you're talking about, if I had if if you had the right personnel in class to where you could you 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 know the students were really interested in taking it seriously, I think the benefits of learning the languages are are just. Um, it's just hard to explain how, how beneficial it's not necessary. I mean, you can know the Bible really well without it, but I just, the benefit I think would be more than what people would realize. I, I also think that I myself don't know the languages well enough to actually teach them. So I would need to develop that skill better, but I would, I would like to do that. I, I think that's probably what I would, what the one I would pick. Cool. I think that probably as far as what would be the most enjoyable to teach, uh, and again, I know you, as you said, sort of an ideal scenario. So especially if it's a college course, usually people, for the most part, study what they want in college. Um, so I think doing really just some kind of writing in college would be really enjoyable. Um, I don't always love teaching writing uh, right now. 
but that's, I mean, when you teach it to junior high and high school students, most of the writing you're making them do is very reluctant writing and you give them feedback and they're like, oh, just tell me, give me a grade and be done with me. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I just always think it'd be fun to have, if, if it was more interactive where they really wanted to be great. And so they, you know, if they could bring it to me and I could give them the direction to fix and then they go fix it and they come back and they say, okay, now it's work. You know, somebody who really wanted to, to shape writing. Cause honestly, I think I'd be better at that than I am at writing my own stuff. Just um, the idea of how to shape written, written things. Um, and so I think that would be a cool thing to teach. So I don't know how original this is, but mine would definitely be take one decade of American history and study it for an entire semester. When I was in college, um, an undergrad actually took a class like that, so it's not original at all. Uh, and it was on the 1920s, but the professor would just pick a different semester every, like on a whim, and he would spend our whole class writing one paper. So that was my only experience with the one, one assignment class. Um, and he would just talk uh, about all the things that made the 20s interesting and important, and so you could do it with anything. And I, I would definitely go the route of like film um, and television if it was appropriate based on you know the era um poetry art writing like the social arts of the decade if you have that kind of material available but i think it'd be fun to pick the 1780s and just do just randomly you know and then and then again in the ideal situation you have kids who would care about that and would really do the reading and you know they would discuss and all that so were kind of some good, were there some good tv shows in the 1780s there were <laughs> yeah. uh yeah there, there were. Uh, that's the lie that I would tell. I would start with that lie. So, uh, anyway, I guess I thought a lot about that because I'm kind of doing that now, but not exactly. Cool. All right. Uh, time to play the what if, the what if game, uh, which I guess is kind of what all this is. But uh, if this this type of lifestyle, this quarantine, social distancing lifestyle, this had been necessary when we were in middle school and high school. So like late nineties, early two thousands, uh, you know, back before the days of Wi-Fi and social media and smartphones and online school and all that kind of stuff. How do you think you would have past the time. I know, I know it seems to me teens now are passing the time with like video conferences and, and uh, you know, again, smartphones and all that. But we didn't, we didn't have all those things. So if you had to be just isolated at home, you know, at any point during your teen years, how do you think you would have passed the time? The sad thing, <laughs> I don't think I would have had any trouble because I spent plenty of time just sitting in front of a TV as it was, uh, and I wasn't even quarantined. Um, and I have to remind myself of that often because, um, you know, it's, I think it just happens as you become an adult and you get used to working that even when you're stuck at home, you still want to work some in the day and feel like you accomplish things. And so I, I don't relate to the feeling of wanting to sit at home and watch TV all day like uh, I often, often know that students that I have do uh, and I have to remind myself like that's what I used to want to do I used to wake up and go like let's just lounge in front of the tv all day and so um, 
I think I would have, I, I wasn't much of a social butterfly in high school. Obviously I, you know, everybody likes hanging out with their friends, but uh, being quarantined wouldn't have been the, the worst thing in the world for me then and still isn't now um, because I'm an introvert. My batteries are, are charged by being alone. Um, so I don't know, not a very exciting answer. I think I would have been right at home in quarantine. Yeah, I was not a big um, play outside with friends guy. I had a couple of friends in the neighborhood, but it wasn't like the ideals, idyllic situation you think of. Um, so I think I would have watched a ton of TV, totally agree. I would have played guitar a lot too. Starting freshman year, I picked up the guitar and I really did play it, you know, pretty much all the time when I had the times I had made time for it. So I would have really just, you know, played even more than I already did, I think, because I was kind of catching that, that bug. So probably I would just say a ton of guitar. In fact, I was only grounded once in high school and it was because I was refusing to read a book that Les Compton had assigned to us for Bible class. Um, Cause I was having a lot of trouble enjoying it in any way and it was the spirit-filled temperament by Tim LaHaye um, and uh, freshman bible 1999 that's and so weird I, I assume I must have been assigned that as well and I don't even remember that book yeah certain, I'm certain I didn't read it <laughs> <laughs> and so I got grounded from playing guitar until I finished the book and uh, which was really a good idea because I was 100% avoiding it by playing guitar so um anyway so yeah and probably like wishing i had a girlfriend <laughs> and certainly the the earlier earlier days of, of high school i would have been lovesick i guess like anybody but i i like i'd like to think that i would have spent the time excelling at sports like uh mastering the all the ball handling moves and the jump shot in my driveway. But uh, I think most likely I also would have probably just watched a lot of TV, watched a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like, I would like to think that I would have just really excelled. And, and the thing I was into more than anything then was at least attempting to be good at sports. So uh, that's, that's what I like, would like to think that I would have done. That's a great question. All right, so since I went uh, serious for my first question, I'll go something light for my second question. Um, and this one is inspired by the fact that uh, several friends that I know up here, um, they're having uh, they have newborn children. And so there's been a lot of discussion about what they're naming them. And I have a lot of fun throwing out names that they'll never ever choose. Um, and so my question is, what is a name that you would have loved to have given a child if you didn't have to worry about spousal approval? I, I have an answer because this happened <laughs> and uh, I got denied over and over and over until it became like a, don't bring that up anymore. Um, if Sayla had been a boy, I a hundred percent wanted to name her Grover. Well, him Grover. Um, and uh, not an ounce of joking around. Uh, and it's because Grover is my favorite Sesame Street character. Um, 
for sure. But uh, I thought you were going to say favorite president. Uh, well, you would think. You would think the only non-consecutive elected official. But uh, however, yeah, um, and in fact, the J class I was teaching that year was like Kristen Lawrence, Grace Morgan, that whole Nathan Merritt, that that gang. And uh, I joked about it a lot at school before we knew Sale was a girl. And they like drew me a Grover in biology class one day when they were doing Punnett squares, like those traits blocks, you know, and like they gave him recessive and genes and whatever. I don't even know. And then they drew a little picture of him and I'll signed it. And then we got the sonogram saying that she was a, a girl. And so that, you know, that was that, but I kept it in my room until I guess a couple of years ago, because um, it just made me laugh. So Grover for sure. Uh, I would have. I don't. I don't even think we had a serious discussion about about such things. But I guess I would. I would have had no hesitation at all naming a child like Peyton. I don't know if that would have flied. Actually, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't have flied because I. Because then the initials would be PP, and and I I think that uh, probably would have uh, nixed that idea. So. Oh man, that's fantastic. I tried uh, pitching my friend Seth that uh, he should go with a biblical name, but not like a typical biblical name. It's like so name his kid Deuteronomy, and he'd call him Deuter for short. <laughs> and he's just the type of guy you could totally picture yelling at his kid, "Hey, Deuter, get over here." And uh, I thought that would have been a great name, but he didn't go with it. I also picked the name uh, Bam if he had a son, but he didn't like that. He said, what would his middle name be? I said, a lamb. So it'd be Bam a lamb Binion, and I think that would have been a great <laughs> name. But they went with something else. So. I actually don't have like a name that I really want because Matthias is such a unique last name or just kind of complicated last name. Usually simple names go well with it so every time I think a name sounds cool I'm like I don't know if it pairs well with my last name so I love that I could see a future in baby name consulting for you I yeah I think I should be consulted like a sommelier pairs your wine with your fish or whatever Jeremy can hook you up with the name you probably won't want but <laughs> we'll make for good stories later <laughs> okay uh, this one is very somber. Uh, I'm probably going to apologize now uh, for this, but I'm going to not skip it. So, um, having just come from my grandmother's non-funeral funeral, can you name some elements that you want included in your own funeral? If you could plan plan your own ceremony, so somebody to speak a passage to be read, a song to be sung, even could be more lighthearted, doesn't have to always be serious. Um, kind of the idea of, you know, having a hand in your own, which is not that uncommon, people plan their, their services. So one or two things that you would like to see included, you know, decades from now when we're thinking about those things, hopefully.
I guess the only thing that would make this kind of a, the timing of this question kind of funny is that my sister, Stephanie, actually very recently uh, texted me to say, like demanding, play this song at my funeral, consider this text legally binding kind of thing. So, um, wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would care a great deal about most of it, but I, I suppose if I was to at least anoint someone to, um, to be the main, the main speaker, uh, I would probably go, I would probably, uh, pick Steve Wingate. Um. So... Yeah, the rest of it, the rest of it could probably, I'd, I'd probably let go any, any, any old way. But if I could have Steve, that would probably be my choice. Mm. And maybe the montage of the Cubs winning the World Series. There you go. There we go. So. Uh, I got to see one before I died. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit like David in that I don't have uh, I don't have a lot of preferences. I think when I was younger, I would have said, you know, I think it's typical of younger people. Oh, I want it to be wild and a party and everybody having fun and sort of, uh, you know, a contrarian funeral. But um, now that I'm older and and I get more like what a funeral is more really more for the people who are grieving. Um, that's why you don't do that. The one thing I always say is I, I just want people to um, share about me honestly at my funeral. Uh, it's a sort of a pet peeve of mine just in general in life, not just at funerals, but just I, I, I like accuracy. You know, I don't like for people to embellish. I don't like for people to overblow things. And funerals are just are right for that type of thing. So, you know, people get up and aggrandize how great people were. And, I don't know. I just always think I'd be really offended if people tried to make me out to be more than I was at a funeral because like, oh, we're just celebrating how great Jimmy was. Listen, if you think I'm great, by all means, share that. I would love for you to say that about me. But, uh, you know, just temper it with some some reality. Jeremy was great, but he could be a real, you know, son of a gun, too. And I don't know. That's that's the only uh, request that I have is if I die and you guys share at my funeral, be real. Oh, we've got some stories. <laughs> yeah. Consider this Zoom legally binding. Um, so for me, it actually is musical. Um, there is an, a song on the Eat a Peach album of the Almond Brothers from 1973 called Little Martha. <laughs> and it is... Uh, an incredibly beautiful two-minute acoustic guitar duet and when you when my dad and I would go see you know all through college in my early 20s we would go see the brothers whenever they were anywhere near Chattanooga we traveled all over to see him as like a bonding thing you knew the concert was over and there was no more encores or anything or no special guests or whatever when the lights would go up which that's pretty typical and they would play that song. That's a song they would never play in concert, even though it's a famous song of theirs, but they would end it 
with over the PA system, the two minute acoustic, you know, people are getting up and walking out. So I have this, this idea, I don't know, of that being played as I'm lowered into the ground um, at the graveside. Um, because I think it's a beautiful piece of music and also because it symbolizes an important part of my life um, and good memories I have. And to me, if I were present watching my funeral, that would be uh, a sweet memory for me, even though I'm not actually there. So that's mine. Man, you guys are you guys are sentimental tonight. All right, but it's good. It's good. It's good. We can we can share this, these things. All right, this is not at all sentimental. Well, maybe it is. We'll find out. Uh, your favorite memory that can be shared in front of an audience from when we lived together at the Hoose. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Context for anybody who might be wondering what the heck we're talking about, uh, we actually did live together for about eight months in a house together with a couple other guys. Jeremy really only was there on weekends when he was home from school, um, but Drew and Michael and the three of us, and occasionally some irregular guests. Uh, but favorite memory from those eight months, uh, and keep it PG. Um, man, you know, I mean, it's there really are a lot of good memories, but you know, as as is often the case, most of the the good memories when I think about it, it's really not doing anything exciting or special. It's really just all of us hanging out. Um, I would say just sitting around on couches, but we're rarely doing that. It's like huddled around in the kitchen where we're all in just standing in the kitchen for no reason. We could be sitting down, but you know, that's where one person was. So that's where we all ended up. And then we're just all standing around talking and, and you know, it's those moments that are the best, but I will just say, uh, I just love that there was a hot tub there. You know, that's, that's, I will, you know, hot tubs are awesome. And so hanging <laughs> out and just like, Hey, let's go sit in the hot tub and continue this conversation. So. Um, we play a lot of darts in the living room and put a lot of holes in the wall around the dartboard, which is pretty funny. Uh, I think for me personally, my room is upstairs across the hall from Dave. And uh, and one night early, early on in the fall, I was really giving my room a good cleaning. And it turns out there was a massive mouse slash small rat living in my room and it still remains to be seen how long it had been there I have no idea and that freaked me the heck out I'm not great around animals anyway um but then trying to capture it became a you know a circus unto itself and this is true at one point we were chasing it several of us at that point and it like ran around the room on the walls like it had Velcro or something, like Spider-Man. It, it did lap around the room the display. I, it, was, it was even more terrifying. Um, 
I think at one point we got into a garbage bag. Michael Haynes got into a garbage bag and we we beat it a little bit, I think, or slammed it around. Then I think it was this was a time we lit it on fire. Uh, except that it did, <laughs> it didn't die. <laughs> it ran off into the woods in the back. It escaped. It ran towards the woods. This little flaming. Uh, so, <laughs> needless to, needless to we say, we set traps under the sink, and and all at once we heard. We were in our separate quarters, but all at once we heard the trap go off. We all converged on the trap. Yeah, uh, I didn't have a good night's sleep the rest of my time there because I, you know, I just was so weirded out. But uh, that's what always comes to mind is that trying to catch that mouse. A lot of good memories there. Uh, yeah, I I listed several. Uh, I listed all of those things you guys mentioned. Um, I'll add a few. Uh, one, a, a couple times we had some pretty memorable like cookouts there. I think we had our, you know, college group uh, Sunday school class people over and cooked out for them, and I, I remember enjoying that. Um, I remember I remember watching the. Uh, that was the year of the. USC Texas Rose Bowl national championship game, like one of the greatest. Yeah. I, I almost said that one. I wasn't there with you guys, yeah. Yeah, and that was just stunning. And then the other one I thought of was uh, do you remember going shopping for a Christmas tree? And we, we went to Rose, and there was one sitting outside, like already decorated, and we said we want that one. And it was like pouring down rain, and, and, uh, you know, we said we said we want the display one, and you know, she said we well, have to buy the lights too. And we're like, yeah, we we're gonna put lights on it anyway. Let's get the one that already has lights on it. She had to go check with her manager, and so we loaded up lights and all on the top of your truck in the pouring rain. Yeah, we backed up into like the into the, in, into the store. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first and only time I've ever had a real tree. Missing out. It's yeah. Every, every year can be an adventure like that if you if I you're know. hunting for a real one. You're right. Man, that's a great question. That was that was a great experience. Good times. Hmm. All right. So um, my next question, I think, is sort of a, a reverse of a popular question. So normally the question goes something like, uh, you know, if you could go back and give yourself advice. Uh, you know, as like an 18-year-old, what would that advice be? Well, I want to flip and say, uh, what would 18-year-old you be most surprised about you now? 18-year-old you, or to meet you right now, what would, what would surprise 18-year-old you the most? that the Cubs actually did win the World Series. <laughs> okay, that won't be my actual answer, but it's fair. Etienne Davis still would have been surprised by that, so. Yeah. yeah um, exactly. Gosh, I, you know. Wouldn't be... I don't know. It wouldn't be my job. 
that's what I always wanted to do was work at the school. And, you know, I was dating Gabrielle when I was 18, so I wouldn't be, you know, I was hoping to marry her back then. And um, Okay, maybe uh, I'll give my answer, um, which um, maybe, I mean, maybe I take it a little differently than you think, because I, I didn't really go with circumstance so much, although I think 18-year-old me wouldn't be surprised by my circumstance because 18-year-old me had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Current me still doesn't have much idea. But um, I think 18-year-old me would be very surprised with how, um, I'm trying to think the right wording of it, but how much current me uh, cares about people's feelings. Uh, I think 18-year-old me, not that he was an uncaring person, but I think he had an idea of like, when you get to be an adult, you can finally just stop worrying about pleasing people. Um, and sometimes I just think I'm very surprised that who I was as an 18 year old turned out to be somebody who uh, not just doesn't want to offend people for the sake of inconveniencing myself, um, but more so like has a deep concern for the emotions of other people. Um, and uh, yeah, I just think, I think 18 year old me would be very surprised that I think 18 year old me was more uh, determined to be a very um, carefree, like speak his mind type person. And now I think maybe that's the best way to say it. Like I always thought when I got older, I get to just speak my mind. And now I don't speak my mind, but not because I can't, but because I don't want to. Does that make sense? Sure. That's a good question and very good answer. I think, I think that, that, I don't know. There have been periods of my life since 18 where I've gained a lot of weight. It's kind of fluctuated and I've struggled with that. Um, and I think the 18 year old me would be surprised by some of the, you know, fitness issues I feel like I've had. And um, not that I was probably the picture of health when I was 18, but, but I, and people can joke about like, you know, you gain weight and you get older and all that. But like, I think that he, if he could see, you know, 17 years in the future would be, would be surprised by some of those, I guess, lower, lower periods, maybe. Um, so that's probably my, my answer. <clears throat> yeah. Um, that's also a tough one for me because I, because probably in a lot of ways, I, I don't know, I, I might be a little surprised that I still live in Chattanooga just because I always had plans of being and going, uh, you know, moving somewhere else and I haven't yet. So, uh, so that, that would probably be the most circumstantial uh, thing that I that I would be surprised by and maybe even disappointed by I don't know but um, I mean not that I've been unhappy for any of it because I don't think I have but uh, it's just been that part of it has probably been different so yeah I think that would be that would be surprising I'm sure there are other things but um, so yeah, we'll go with that. 
All right. This is my first and only quarantine question. Can you name for us, I'd love to get both, but if it's only one, that's okay. The best and worst binging decision you've made TV or movie show, TV show or movie wise over the past two months. And I don't mean worse, like immoral. I mean, like, I'm going to give the show a shot and it was lousy, you know, and you stuck with it or can't believe I tried that show or whatever. Um, but if, if you only have an answer for one of them, you know, like you found something really great, you latched on to, that's fine too. Um, I don't know if there's been a worst. I, I actually, I haven't attempted, I don't think I have any new, sh uh, I guess, I guess maybe I've attempted one new show that I'd liked, but it, um, the, and I'm, and I'm thinking of The Last Dance. I don't know if that's a binging decision because that's something that's kind of coming out. It's being released as we, right. Speak. Right. Um, and I've liked that. In fact, I, I have a question based on that if, if we get to it. But um, And I've watched some movies. I haven't really done any binging, I don't think. Um, at least not the, the kinds of things that I wouldn't be watching anyway. Um, and plus, right. I'm, kind of, I'm kind of particular in a... In a in an ornery way, I think about what I watch. Not that I have super high standards, but like I really only am going to commit to watching something, even a movie, if I'm like almost certain I'm going to like it. I, I I don't really typically watch a movie just for the sake of watching a movie. Yeah, I have yeah. to I have to have a some sort of motivation or interest going into it, either in the story or the the type of movie that it is or the you know the anticipation of it i guess so i can't think of a of a poor one in that sense just because i if, if i had any sense that i was going to dislike it i probably just didn't watch it to begin with sure yeah uh, i also don't have a a bad example but um i will say just last week i binged the show silicon valley uh, HBO was doing like a free you could watch some of their shows for free not all their content but they had certain things that you could do for free and Silicon Valley was one of them and it's so it's a like basically a comedy about a tech startup um, it's by the same guy who made Office Space and he described it as being like a Office Space for the 2010s and uh, it's definitely not one that you can just recommend to anybody uh, it is an HBO show so they get away with you know doing a lot of uh you know content that's not appropriate but uh really entertaining and there are six seasons but they're usually like i mean it's like 10 episodes a season they're like 30 minute episodes so it's a very bingeable show uh, yeah. and for the most part i haven't gotten caught up in doing too much tv watching during this quarantine but when i got caught up in that show i started having some days where i spent too many hours watching episodes and then um as far as movies go, I haven't been watching as many new movies during the quarantine. I've been kind of watching old movies or movies, you know, just I already own a lot more. Uh, but one that I bought, and I think you'll appreciate this, Nate, is uh, an old 90s movie from my childhood called Airborne. 
Oh, yeah. And uh, the wonderful thing about Airborne is I'm not the type that usually, like, will put a movie on uh, the background while I'm doing other things. Because if a movie's on, I'm going to hone in on it, and that's going to have all my focus. I won't accomplish anything else. But I found Airborne is the perfect, like, throw it on in the background movie. So there's been a lot of days I'm like, I need to do some work. I'm going to throw on Airborne and do work, and I'm just going to hear it in the background. And I'll just, like, giggle at the, you know, these this old movie that I'm, again, sentimental about. And is it has a charm to it. Uh, and it's kind of it's like a really well-done after-school movie or something. But <laughs> got uh, Seth Green and Jack Black are in it. And yeah. Young when they're young and they were unknowns and no, it's just it's uh, I knew you were gonna say that when I could I could see the gleam in your eye that's, that's all I'll say uh, um I'm assuming you got that on Amazon I did yeah okay that may be my next purchase um we did get paid today so watch out um it's funny you mentioned Airborne because um few weeks ago i was watching a youtube thing that variety has been doing where they take a star and have them talk for 20 or 30 minutes about their most iconic roles and depending on who the star is i'll watch or not watch that series because it depends on what they're gonna be talking about and jack black was one of them i watched it hoping that he would talk about the movie um bernie which is really really good kind of obscure but in a joking way, I was shocked he didn't mention his debut, which was Airborne, or one of his debuts. That was a long time ago. Um, so my answer is New Girl. The TV show New Girl is on Netflix. It's been on that. Is, that, is that the one you regret? No. I, <laughs> no. I have to have to own it. Um, April and I, mid-March, when this is really just getting going, on a whim one night, put the pilot on, which I had seen a couple times, um, but not got much past that, and just kind of got struck by it. Um, and yeah, so as what Jeremy is saying, they're they're 24 minutes each, and there's 22 in a season, so you can kind of flow through five or six a night if you, you know, are that committed and. Uh, was it was one of those things where I was genuinely sad when it was over there, and I think that's that binge um, syndrome, you know. But like, there was a feeling of like I can't go to the next one because you kind of in a well-written show like that, you begin to identify with them as your friends. Um, you know, it's obviously all fake, you know. But like, it's just such a well-done, in my opinion, really well-done. Jeremy, I know you. I think like that show. Yeah, uh, it's actually like the show for me and my friends here. Like it's yeah. we're together and we put something on. We put on New Girl and we quote New Girl a whole lot, which oh so good. I think sounds misleading because well, honestly, the in the uh, you know sort of um, conception of the show, it was meant to be centered around Zoe Deschanel's character. Yeah, uh, and it is, but I think they realized as the show went on, like the guys who played her roommates were really like the funniest part. And so it became more balanced out. And then they're the characters that you really love spending time with. And her characters are, right. we actually debate all the time if the show would be better without her on it, but. That's a great point. You know, it's one of those ensemble shows that didn't start out that way. You can think of some shows that 
have forced ensembles on you and then they work or they don't friends Seinfeld how much your mother and lots of other ones you know but this one you're right it was supposed to be about her and and even like even the intro the first three seasons was in the tv show pro intro and then they they changed it like mid season three where it was all of their pictures on the opening song like philosophically it shifted to the whole cast and uh anyway i should probably stop talking about this show but uh i don't have any regrets i just started last last what's it called day of the jordan thing dance right last dance yeah, I just um, at the end of episode one, and that I mean that's gonna be great. I can already tell, but I'm kind of new to that. But uh, anyway, I'm gonna interrupt you just right, to so I, if I break up because I've got a little warning that my inter internet connection is struggling. So if you lose me or if I break up, just want to give you an advance notice. Okay, you seem fine to me. Good. Um, all right, so so actually my, I can go several different ways with these final questions because I've got some backups in case they don't work. Have, Jeremy, have you have you been watching The Last Dance? I have not. Oh. I don't, and I'm able to watch ESPN, so. Okay. I want to say Netflix has been I think airing it or, or will be. But. They will be, I think, because it's in partnership with Netflix, but it's not on Netflix yet. Okay. Not in America. All right, I'll skip my I'll skip my last dance uh, question then for now. I'll go with this one. This is another uh, TV related one though. And um, your your all time, and we'll call it your Mount Rushmore. So like if you if you had four faces that were kind of like your favorite uh, sitcom characters of all time. So top four sitcom sitcom characters. You know their faces were going to be etched into stone, as far as your your concern. Uh, who would you go with? And ooh, that is a good good question. Strictly sitcom, funny shows. That's that's kind of what I'm going with. I thought that was a little more specific than just yeah. just TV characters. No. I love it. I'm just thinking through. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the direction I've all right I've gone with my answers. And it could be it could be current shows. It could be more classic shows. Uh, I've got a a little bit of a mix, but I lean more toward toward current ones. Yeah. I I can start with mine if you want some time to think. Yeah, I would I would appreciate a little bit of, a little bit of time. So I I went I went. Um, I went with three what would be like more modern uh, characters and then one kind of classic one. Uh, and these are shows that I've seen enough of all of them, I think, to uh, to kind of know the characters pretty well. But uh, one would be Sheldon Cooper, uh, Big Bang Theory. Mm -hmm. One would be uh, Jake Peralta. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh yeah. Uh, this one, this one's probably my my all-time favorite. I think for sure my all-time favorite. But Ron Swanson, Carson Rick. 
Yeah. And then, and then the the classic one, the one, the more old school one, would be uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Home improvement. That's a strong Rushmore. Come out of the gate, swing in there. Well, first off, I'd just like to say that you can bet I'm going to be spending way too much time thinking about this question for like the next week. Um, <laughs> no, it will not end on this podcast. I will, this will haunt my thoughts, uh, but in a good way, because I love obsessing about things like this. Uh, so I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm stealing your Ron Swanson. That was just, that was the right call. As soon as you said it, I was like, of course. Uh, and then I'm going to go with, um, we just talked about New Girl, Nick Miller from New Girl. Uh, okay. Yeah, Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. And uh, Michael Bluth from Rested Development, which is the yeah. Jason Bateman character. So. Yes. Okay, so I don't, I'm going to try to not repeat any of those eight. Um, well, because we, re I repeat well, all those, so. Yes, okay. That's if you leave Ron Swanson off, it's wrong anyway. So, <laughs> that, yeah, that's right. Ron Swanson that would carve the Mount Rushmore <laughs> with himself. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but not with government funds. Uh, with the gold he stashed in his backyard, allegedly. Uh, so I would go. Um, not this is my favorite show, but they should be represented. And so my favorite from this show is George Costanza from Seinfeld. Um, that's such an iconic show. One of the one of those four has to be on there, and he's my favorite of the, of the four. Um, I would include actually Schmidt from New Girl, um, but Nick Miller is. I mean, that's that's hard to, yeah. you know, we're parsing hairs there. But the, <laughs> you know, I like The Office. I think that's. A, I really do like that show. That, that um, I, I've always I've always liked that. It's, so I would probably go um, the the Jim character, not that he's even really the most comedic one, but I just think, you know, I I, just, I like him. And then, um, gosh, um, those are all really good. They're really good. Um, I think I'll go um, uh, Barney Stimson. Again, I repeated one, I, but uh, he came to my mind right away. So He's legendary. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's a good question, man. It is. All right, for my next question, uh, what is a hobby that – you would like to spend a lot of money on if it wasn't an issue. So what's a hobby you have that like you could, if you had the money, you could get really carried away and buy a whole lot of stuff and spend a whole lot of money, but you keep it in check because money obviously is an issue. Hmm. And again, I could give mine if uh, you want. You guys want a second to think? I think mine. I think mine's an easy one. So I, if, but I, I know we're going out of order if I give mine. But no, no I, I'm ready. Um, I would, I would fly. 
lots of places. I would travel a ton. I know that's like a super extravagant thing, um, but I enjoyed going to new places, new cities, and that kind of thing. Another one would be, I enjoy going to um, like plays, the theater, Broadway, that kind of thing. So I would, certainly if I lived like closer to Broadway or a major city that had like a traveling, like in Atlanta or something, I would go, you know, and those tickets can get can get pretty high if you go real often. So I'd, I'd go to the, the theater quite a bit probably is my answer. Uh, golf. Play tons of golf and, and try to be good enough so that in 20 years I could join the senior tour. There you go. Yeah, and I guess the expenses would rack up not just in the playing the game, but you can get nice clubs and I don't oh, know. Yeah. yeah. And the travel could come into that too if you actually were good enough to participate in tournaments. So it's true. Well, my answer and what made me think of this question is uh, video editing equipment. Um, just some of the stuff I've done while we're on quarantine, uh, having to do more video stuff for the school uh, as we're separated, kind of awoken an old hobby in me of doing some video editing that I studied some in college. And just as I'm doing it, I'm enjoying it, but I'm like, oh man, what, you know, I find myself like looking on the internet for like, what if I got a nice camera? Uh, you know, then I want some sound equipment. I mean, I really need a, you know, a newer computer with more memory and a better editing program. And I just, I start realizing I can get carried away really quickly and I could spend, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on video stuff. And then I just have to remind myself, it's, it's, a, I'm an amateur here. Let's just film with what I got and, and not worry about the rest. So. Uh, this is my fifth one. Um, but I can sit ball if we want to keep going. So don't, um stop because of me share with us one of your favorite memories from when we i'm just gonna say it from when we ran the youth group for you know that period of five six years and this could go a thousand ways also i, I understand but that's what I like about this question. It could go, and maybe a couple memories, you know, maybe not just one, but from our time together. Well, yeah, I think there are hundreds that I could probably name pretty quickly, but yeah. one uh, simple one would be just having conversations like this in person rather than over video. Yeah. That would be one. Uh, I think I think probably the most, <laughs> and I, I guess this is a little bit of an ironic answer now, thinking back on all that it entailed, but I, but it, it makes it all the more memorable. I guess would be the uh, the weekend where we the retreat where we read the whole New Testament, and and then of course the irony was that's also the weekend that uh, Nate broke his ankle. And didn't get it diagnosed until like 48 hours later because we're like, oh, that's probably fine. <laughs> that's right. Uh, because, you know, and that was significant for a lot of reasons. One, it was the most unique, I think singularly unique event we attempted to do. And pulling it off 
was I, I thought kind of impressive if I can say that. And, uh, and I think it's one that I think, it, I think it, for those that were there, it's one of the more memorable experiences that most of them had. I know it was for me, but also what it led into because we spent every Sunday night for the next two and a half years, just kind of reviewing, like going chapter by chapter through the new Testament. And, and that was, that was highly significant again for me personally and, and hopefully helpful for everybody else who kind of followed along. So I can remember when that idea was born when yeah. we first started kicking it around in my, in my classroom and then it yeah. spread to waffle houses and texts. And I mean, I, yeah. And the fact that it was born out of necessity because we were in a pinch trying to figure out, you know, what we we're going to do for speaker and, and theme and, yeah. And what, what ended up being kind of like a, uh, a bailout thing to do ended up being the best thing that we did. So, and I missed revelation. I didn't get to come to that final. I think that was on campus, right? Wasn't it the youth service that Sunday night was, yeah. maybe we listened to it on DVD or CD or whatever. And, yeah. and I didn't get to come. Yeah. You were at the ER or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, great weekend. Yeah, there was so much. I, I mean, we 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 have rehashed this before, but I, yeah, I remember first. I wasn't even the one who had that idea at first. I don't remember which one of you first said, "Well, what if we, what if we just read something?" Okay, what if we read parts of the Bible? Okay, what if we read this amount? Okay, what if we read the whole, whole New Testament? Yeah. And I was kind of like shaking my head. I'm like, that's a great idea, but we. Like that, I, nobody could actually do that. Like we couldn't do that. And then I, for whatever reason, I kind of like mapped it out, sort of like timed it. And it was based on like, because I, I had recordings of it on CD. It was like, how long would it take just to listen to these CDs? And, I, and it came to like a certain number of hours. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think we could actually do that. Yeah. And yeah, so... Those those things and thousands more. Yeah, I just to tack on a little bit there. I also remember when we were getting kind of excited that we could do that idea, and I remember we presented it to Kelly O'Rear, and it's one of my I don't know one of the things I always remember about Kelly is Kelly got really excited with us, and it was kind of like okay, good, you know, just somebody else saying we're not crazy for thinking this. Um, so that was cool. But my favorite uh, memories, just kind of broadly, uh, us playing ping pong and chatting, you know, just um, for hours on end, um, were just some of the best times. And then specifically, uh, of course, one of the greatest uh, nights of my life, uh, the three of us and randomly Logan Groves yeah. out uh, on, the, on the trails between cabins in the middle of the night, laughing hysterically over a game of statue uh isn't that what's called statue and yeah. Uh, yeah and uh i yeah just we got in one of those uh you know just laughing moods where we were we couldn't stop and we were crying laughing and logan i think was laughing but more because he couldn't understand why we were laughing so much and then we were kind of laughing because he was laughing with us and uh man the, that the that was uh, the incident, right? 
Yeah. Oh man. That is really now I, I chuckle when I think of it. Yeah. <laughs> um so I have to echo ping pong for sure. Um there was one year where my free teaching hour was last hour and I think 80% of my free hours I was down there playing ping pong with you all at 2.30 every, most every day. You were still at the Children's Center, Jeremy, back then. And of course, there's a lot of late nights and stuff too. Um, uh, a lot of it for me will be, um, you know, the band. Um, the first iteration of the band with McQueen and then Thor and Tori and Ashley Stead. Then it morphed into Tori and Molly and Swan. And uh, there was a picture on Facebook. It must have been Good Friday. And it was me and Swan and Aaron Arnold playing a song at a Good Friday service. And I mean, that just. Um, super nostalgic. Uh, so a lot of good memories. But I remember when we were just really doing middle school, when Dave was in charge of that, and we were just pitching in there, and we had our first Wednesday night service. Uh, I remember the songs we played. I remember standing in front of the stage, not on it. Uh, I don't know why that sticks out. Um, and uh, how that just grew, you know, pretty organically in a beautiful way. Um, some really great boot camps, you know, um, some really good memories of boot camps that we, that we led and some that we just kind of were along for the ride for, and those were fun for different reasons. And, uh, I think Jeremy, if I remember right, the first message you gave when you started helping was on Jonah. Do you remember that? Is that right? Uh, no, I don't think that was the first one. I was one of the first ones, though. Okay. I think the first one was uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and the. Okay. So. Jonah's what sticks out, but um. Yeah. Um. I'm sure the first all, one wasn't good. So. <laughs> <laughs> always, I always loved hearing you guys speak. Um, you both so gifted in different ways, and I just felt like it was a treat and honor to call you friends and to know you as well as I do for as long as we have. And then almost, and this is going to sound, I don't know, but like, I don't care how it sounds. I'm just going to say it like to share you with the youth group. And that's not really even accurate, but like, it's just like, I, I know like, these are my, my brothers, my, my, my friends, please listen to them. They care about you. Like I, they, they have important things to say. Um, they're real people, you know, they're authentic people. Um, and getting to play a role in that, a part of that was just such an honor. Um, and, and that ride, um, you know, was, I'm just grateful for it. I'm just really grateful for, for it. So I thought it might be fun to kick around some old stories and I've, was hoping the statues one would come up, so 
Thank you for mentioning that. Logan, Logan Bros. Yeah, if you didn't bring that one up, we would have had to tenderly correct you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, which without context makes no sense, but <laughs> neither does asking David. Why isn't our fragrance stronger than theirs? <laughs> I, I was oh, reading. I, that, I was reading that passage like yesterday or today, <laughs> just in my Bible reading, <laughs> and I still think about that every time I read. <laughs> oh my gosh! About the aroma of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Wasn't wasn't that? The second boot came with him as the speaker. Well, yes, yeah, I think so. He came twice. He did one that was um, like the whole group, I guess, and then he, and then I think the time. Well, I don't. No, I think it was. He came twice. I don't remember if it was first or second. It was where everybody was together, though, like middle and high school. He, so came to, he came to a middle school only one, and that was actually the one where we had the the laughing with Groves uh, incident. Yes, but yeah. I think I think the the story was probably from the uh, the one the spelunking one. We were spelunking in uh, Mon Eagle Mountain or somewhere right. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, some of us did. Some people refused to go. That's true. Um, None, none on this screen, but. Well, I, yeah, like I said, there's dozens, hundreds more things I could mention. I think, I think, I think it's probably worth bringing up that we had really when we started and it was kind of middle school only, we had such a, a core group of even middle schoolers and even like sixth graders uh, for a time there that guys that as they progressed really were like the core all the way through. They weren't leaders like just when they became of age, like they were the main, I thought, faces and voices of the group from early on. And uh, that was just pretty special to have that core stay together really throughout the entirety of, of that. And by the way, you know, the ride is actually still going on. You guys have like flown the coop, but I mean, it's, we're still riding. And by the way, there's no reason you couldn't join our Zoom uh, Wednesday night meetings. So I'm just throwing that out there. That's true. That's that would be a, that'd be a neat uh, surprise for some folks. Hmm. All right, we better move on because we could stay on that one for, uh, we probably already have stayed on that one for longer than we should have. Okay, so here's what I'm gonna do. I've got several that, are, that, that actually are rapid fire. Okay, so like four or five questions that I'm just gonna, just first thing that comes to your head and I'll just, I'll, rather than pick one, just answer, answer quickly. Can we do it that way, Jeremy? Yep. Okay. Um, have you participated in a Zoom meeting pantsless? Yes or no? No. 
So I don't have to ask if you are or are not right now wearing pants. You are wearing. You do not have pants. Uh, how? Same for you, Nate. Yes. All right. How many Zoom meetings had you participated in before March two thousand twenty? Zero. I don't think I was aware what Zoom was before then. Agreed. Same. Yeah. Same for me. Okay. Um. What besides Zoom, what other uh, communications there are one or two more that you've had to in the last month or so? A lot of Facebook messages. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, mine would be something called Screencastify, which is a free Google. Chrome extension that records your um, desktop. So like when you watch a YouTube tutorial on how to navigate a website and like the mouse is moving around and somebody's talking in the corner, this is one of those programs that does that for you. And it saves your um, video into a Google Drive file um, that creates for you. And then you can share those links. And so it's an easy way to um, create a quick teaching lesson or show someone how to do something, you know, or whatever. Uh, and Gabrielle showed me how to use that before any of this started because she was doing sub plans. And she was like, I'm going to make a sub video rather than type out all this stuff and then just show my video in class. I was like, that's brilliant. And then it turns out we really had to use it, you know. Yeah. So. Cool. Mine would be, um, I've, I've created a YouTube, a YouTube channel, so I've had to learn how to use like iMovie and uh, and how to upload things to YouTube. I've also done one meeting with Google Hangouts and another meeting with Microsoft Teams, which is kind of the same idea as this, but you know, but it's Microsoft's version and Google's version. Hmm. So which one would you like that? I'm sorry. Which one did you like best? Um, well, Google Hangouts was the easiest to use, so I guess I guess that one. Microsoft Teams, though, I think if I actually spent some time learning how to use it, I probably would like it. But there's so much to it that I would I would have to uh, I, you know I'd have to use it a lot to feel comfortable with it. But it's it you can do a lot with it. It does seem. Um, okay, what about non-electronics? What what non-electronic thing have you given more attention to the past couple of months that you wouldn't have otherwise? Mm -hmm. Mine is my family. I found out I have four kids. <laughs> so that's been a surprise. <laughs> I have never hiked so much in my life. We have been hiking all over since the middle of March. And that's never been something we've done a lot of. And we're talking like we're taking Sayla, so she can't walk that far or that fast. And so it's like a mile. You know, we're not doing serious stuff. But we try to find somewhere different every time we go. Um, and uh, we've seen some beautiful places that, 
of course have been here forever. I just didn't know about. So I think that's something we will continue to do even when it's not like the only outside thing you can do anymore. Uh, that, and I've picked up the guitar again quite a bit more than I have in, in quite a long time. So that's been a positive thing. Good. Uh, I unfortunately don't have an answer for this. I feel like this has actually been um, kind of the rediscovery of doing tech stuff. Like I said, doing a lot of video editing. Um, but I've really enjoyed that. And it's amazing how quickly the time passes, though. I'm, for example, we just started doing some uh, video chapels because we were feeling bad that we weren't having any chapels while we were on break. And so um, we did this thing where we interview a senior each time. We only have six seniors, so we figured we could do one a week. Uh, have some people lead worship and we video it and I'm putting it all together. Uh, and so do it on Wednesdays and I spend a lot of time Wednesday and Thursday piecing these videos together, trying to make them look nice and, and, and good to post on Friday for our chapels. And uh, I don't know, really, really enjoy it, but uh, it's tech. So it doesn't fit the, the nature of the question because I haven't done anything non-techy. I haven't taken, I haven't taken up hiking. Um, like I said, I started working out this, this week, but it's been three days of it. So, you know, nothing to brag about yet. All right. And then the last one for me, uh, and this one caused quite the kerfuffle among my siblings and I in our group text. Uh, but, uh, favorite little Debbie. Hmm. Swiss cake roll. Uh, you know, I'm just going to go with the oatmeal cream pie, which is weird because I never would have chosen that as a kid. That's something I learned to like more as I got older. Uh, the right answer is Nutty Bars. Ooh. My least favorite. Oh. Wow. Yeah. What? Why was that a kerfuffle? What were the opposing views in the group text? Well, so I, I came across uh, on Twitter where I find everything, a somebody had created um, a bracket, like pairing 16 different Little Debbie's, you know, snack cakes, one against the other. And so you kind of advanced your favorites, you know, of course, till you came down to the, to the final one. I will say the, the seating of it was terrible. So after each of us, like I sent the screenshot to the family because we're we're little debbie connoisseurs my dad worked for mckee foods and so this is just kind of like from our childhood we've always eaten little debbies and so we so i shared it and everybody filled out their favorites but then we actually just i said re-rank them one through 16 how would you re-rank them and so so in both of those cases um there was it was a pretty heated debate i thought in a friendly way of course i mean what else was choice uh, so oatmeal cream pie was, I think, a one seed, you know, the way they had it. Honey buns were, were pretty high. Um, the other ones, I, I, I do like Swiss cake rolls. That was one, of, that one went pretty far with me. I like zebra cakes. Mm. I don't like the fruity ones, so like strawberry shortcake rolls or banana twins, those are really awful. One that was, that I really don't like, that other people thought was really good, uh, is is the Star Crunch? I think those things are terrible. I don't yeah. know how you feel about the Star Crunch, but I think they're really bad. Mm. So, all right. 
know if this is going to be a good one to end on, but we've all asked our questions and it's come to me. So uh, is, there, is there a skill that you have discovered you need to develop during quarantine? Like, I mean, not to develop during quarantine, but during quarantine, have you discovered there's some skill that you need to develop? Uh, the four children I found out I have. <laughs> Flossing. I had a dental appointment the first day of spring break when all this went down, at least in Chattanooga. And um, the the word gum disease was tossed around a little too frequently for my for my taste. And so I purchased a water pick, which is a battery powered water flosser that is basically like a um, pressure hose for your teeth. And the lady was like, when you use this, your teeth are going to bleed, your gums are going to bleed. Kind of like if you're working out and you get really sore at first, and then it gets easier. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay. And she was right. It was terrible. It was terrible um but now it doesn't hurt as bad so i think that was a skill that i needed to do um to develop so that reminds me of the old mitch hedberg joke so people always say you don't know how hard it is to quit smoking he goes yeah i do it's as hard as it is to start flossing <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> those are equal propositions for sure <laughs> Uh, okay, the parenting thing was kind of a joke, but I do need to improve that skill. Um, I, this is a skill that I, that I just need. So like we're still in the um, fundraising stage for our you know, missions journey. And like if I was terrible at fundraising before, which I am, like I'm even worse at it when I can't actually meet with people face to face. And so I've had to at least attempt to, uh, you know, be proactive in a way that I was already bad at. So that's a skill that I, I, I need to figure out how to figure out pretty quickly how to uh, uh, develop it. Yeah, that's uh, not entirely different from the skill that inspired me to think of the question, uh, which is, I really need to work on my ability to make small talk. And what birthed that is, like I said, we have these packet um, drop off and pick up days for school where people drive through and you hand them off their old, you know, are their new assignments, they hand in their old assignments. And some of our teachers are real social butterflies and people come in and they go out take it to the car and they'll end up sitting there for 20 minutes talking to people at a car and people come up people that I like, people I get along with, and I go up to them like, hey, here's your packet, how's it going? Good, okay. I'm gonna go back in then. <laughs> and I go, I'm like, I don't know how people make small talk. I don't know how, like I want to, I wanna be able to do it, carry on these conversations, but uh, I, I guess it's a skill that eludes me. And the other one is I wish I could cook more because you know, living by myself and not going out to eat very much, uh, there's a whole lot of frozen dinners, so. Uh, that's a skill that would be handy if I if I could do more. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. We run our course through the questions.
was a lot of fun. I always enjoy doing this. Um, I would do it even if we weren't recording, but it's always fun to record and be able to go back and relive it. Before we did this, I went and listened to both of our previous installments of rapid fire questions and, uh, you know, gives me the same feeling I said, you know, getting sentimental about when I would go into Grace's gym and feel like it's home. When I listened to old podcasts that we did together and just hearing you guys' voices and hearing us interact, that also feels like home. So I love you guys. And I'm glad we got to do this. Thanks, man. See you.